I would invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 9 for a few verses as we start. I don't, I don't think uh, Stephen called my wife and asked what my favorite songs were, but it seemed to me that we were singing them all. I told Sue 520 is what I'm going to read before I go into surgery. And my prayer is that, uh, and I, I think as any committed Christian, my prayer is that I would have a closer walk with the Lord. If I'm done serving the Lord, there's no sense in me being here. I see life this way. My kids don't really like it. Some of them don't understand it, but my life is the Lord's. And if, I, if I'm done serving him, I might as well go home, hand out uh, hymn books in heaven or something. I'm, I'm not sure if we'll have that, but I'm going to be doing something. Anyhow, just as a, a start, Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that, you, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all the country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest, send out labors into his harvest. Let's just commit our time once again to the Lord. Father, once again, we just thank you for the wonderful truths that we have been singing. Uh, thank you for... Uh, for your words, your precious living word. Father, help us to glean a few thoughts. You know what I would plan to say, and if there's something that I shouldn't say, have me to forget it. Father, that those things which would be pleasing to you, uh, that those things would be said that would, would be uh, what you intend to search each heart, to encourage, to challenge, to build up whatever your purpose is in our life. We just commit our minds and our hearts to you in, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, as you look at any particular picture, there often needs to be some background information. How many times do you visit with someone and you see a picture? Uh, when Sue and I were with Brian and Nancy uh, for lunch one day, you know, you, you, we were talking about this and, and uh, you know, he show a picture and, um, and you, you, you look at any picture and you say, well, there's a story behind that one. There, there has to be a lead up to get a, to get a full sense or a full understanding, uh, to get a sense of what that picture is portraying. And so it is uh, with this, a few weeks ago, uh, a verse of scripture put a kind of a picture in my mind and it stirred my appreciation for the Lord just a little bit more. Isn't it, isn't it neat when that happens? And so uh, I hope that by the time we're finished here today that uh, your appreciation for the, the love and kindness of God will be stirred even just a little bit more. Even, even just a, just a tad. So the picture was in verse 36. So, but, but building up to that, I, I just, 
uh, just want to kind of go through some of the stuff that was was uh, happening, not in great detail, but just just to sort of bring our minds along until till we see uh, that picture. So in Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, 28 to 34, we see the Lord Jesus cast demons out of two demon-possessed men. Um, and when the people of the city heard of it, you may know the story, and they come out to meet Jesus. And, you know, rather than saying, hey, thanks for that, because these guys were so violent, we couldn't go, couldn't go past there. We were scared of them. We chained them often. They broke the chains. Uh, but rather than that, they, they begged him to leave their area. They said, please depart from this area. Now this, this word depart in that portion is in the subjunctive mood. So that's the mood of possibility and potentiality. It doesn't mean it's gonna happen, it may happen, or it may not happen. I mentioned this to make, a, make an important point. You know, they realized they couldn't force the Lord Jesus to leave. They, 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 they begged him and they waited on his benevolence, his kindness. You know, sometimes even today, people think that they can, they can just uh, almost order God around. Take them off the shelf when they need them, put them back on when things are fine. You know, that if they would have only realized the Lord Jesus was, he just longed to give them eternal life. But here they asked him to leave. I remember when my brother witnessed to me and I told him to shut up or I'd, I'd pound him. And I would have, except I knew I couldn't take him if he decided to fight back. You know, but I was scared. I was scared. What could change a violent man like him? What could change a guy like that? I was afraid of it. It was creepy at that time. Not so creepy anymore. Well, and I think we're reminded too, the Lord Jesus won't push his way into a life or even a society. He, he waits for people to realize their need, to repent. Oh, that dirty word, repent. All it means is change your mind. You know, you, you have the right. How many times in the last 48 years, Sue has said, I have the right to change my mind. And she does. Change your mind, I mean. And she has the right to do that. <laughs> Let's just clear that up. So, in, verse, in chapter 9, verse 1, we're told that Jesus got into the boat. He left the shores of Gadara. He, he gave them what they wanted. He is, if I can say it reverently enough, a perfect gentleman. He crossed over the Sea of Galilee and, and went to, to Capernaum, where he performed some of the, the greatest miracles that we read of. Uh, they're all great, but I mean, uh, Capernaum uh, was witness to some of the most tremendous things. So in chapter 9, we see he heals uh, the sick and forgives sins. The first eight verses, it deals with the paralytic. Uh, you know, four, four friends uh, bring this guy before the Lord Jesus, and he, he heals him. He says, take up your bed and go to your house, you know, and, and then we see this man carry that which once carried him. It's kind of, it's, you have to think this through, it sounds a little crazy, but you know, I think it's a kind of a picture of religion. See, the, the, the cot is, is like a religion, man's effort to, to carry the sin burden. You know, you have all kinds of ceremonies, ring bells, stand on one foot, jump around, say a few things, uh, empty the people's pockets, uh, you know, whatever, whatever system of, of world religion uh, that you have. That's the picture of, that's the caught carrying, carrying the man. That's religion. Uh, that's men carrying it along. Temporary. Really good for nothing. But you notice when, when there's true faith, 
religion no longer has a role. Well, so much could be said in that passage, but just a few thoughts to maybe uh, for you to dig in. And if I've, if I've said something wrong, I, I hope you'll forgive me. Um, he called the, the despised and unloved, verses 9 to 13. The Lord Jesus passes from there, it says, and, and uh, these, these are mighty things in, the, in and of themselves, each thing that we're kind of just touching on, but just touching on the, 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 the peaks, so to speak. He saw a man named Matthew at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he arose, and he followed him. Well, it says he saw this, this Matthew. This word saw means more than just to perceive with the eyes. It's, it's to, to perceive and to understand with, with every sense. It's, it's like he, he uh, MRI'd him. He knew every detail about him. He knew him inside out. He knew his thoughts past, present, and future. It, it means he knew everything. It, it's thorough. It's more thorough than we can really grasp. And of course, it simply means that Jesus had thoroughly examined him. And it's in the indicative mood. Uh, sometimes it's good to notice these things. The indicative mood is a simple statement of fact. There's no doubt. So when it says God knew him through and through, I got a letter from one of the radio stations in Africa and, and a guy was really upset at me saying these types of things. So I explained this, why I say it. The Spirit of God wrote this book. And so when he, he wants us to understand, when Jesus saw this man, he saw him completely. We see each other the best of our abilities. You know, we see a little, sometimes a little bit more than just the external. Uh, but Jesus knew him through and through. Well, the tax collectors, as you know, would have been hated intensely by the fellow Jews, uh, not just because of their collaboration with Rome, but, but most of them were thieves. They were dishonest. They would collect more taxes than they were supposed to. Rome, you know, like, like five for Rome and two for me sort of thing. And so they, they got quite well off, many of them, in this process, and their fellow uh, Jews knew it. And so they, they were a hated bunch. And so it says, when Jesus passed by, he said, follow me. And, and he responded instantly. You know, he left a bad lifestyle behind. There's absolutely no indication here that, that Matthew thought, just a second now, what am I going to give up? I'm, I'm going to give up all this extra cash that I'm making. People are probably not going to like me anyways. I'm kind of on the bad side of things anyways. You know, he, he didn't think about that. He didn't say, well, I wonder if the wife is still going to like me or my girlfriend is still going to like me. How, what are my parents going to think? He was called of the living God, and he followed. I mention this because so many times, I had a guy in my house one night years ago. He, he wanted to receive Christ. We talked about uh, what it is to be born again, and, and he said, I don't know if my wife would like it. I said, your wife would have a better husband. Your kids would have a better father. With tears running down his face, he backed out of my driveway. Never did to this day, to my knowledge, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? That's a choice that's made, isn't it? Matthew left it all. If you don't know the Lord Jesus and you feel him speaking to you this morning, don't wait, don't fool around. He may not be by your way again. Well, he cured the incurable, verses 20 to 22 in, in that chapter. A woman who had a blood problem for 12 years. She spent all that she had on physicians. Uh, Jesus said to her, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well or whole. 
And so the woman was made well from that hour or whole from that hour. She was also restored. Just imagine, you know what it was like during COVID? We were, we were segregated. We couldn't get together. We, uh, I mean, it was hard on people. And I'm thankful for, for even a simple thing like, like the Zoom. You know, some people hate it, but uh, it's not ideal. But boy, we sure would have been in trouble without it. People were comforted to be able to hear each other, to see each other. If you've ever had a kid move far away, you know, you get on this Zoom or the Facebook stuff, I don't know how long, or Face page or whatever it's called, that you can see each other on the phone, uh, FaceTime. And, uh, you know, you can be on the other side of the world and you can talk to them. You can hear their voice. Isn't it a comfort? Well, in this, in this time, we are very fortunate to, to have had that. So this poor woman was put outside of the, the social circles because she was unclean. Considered, <clears throat> considered unclean because of the blood problem. Well, so we see then in verses 23 to 25, he gave, he gave life to the dead. Uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, in, in those verses where he raised a child, and in the account in Luke chapter 8, uh, Jesus says after, after he brought her back to life, he says, give her something to eat. Uh, I think there's, there may be more, but I just did quickly think there's two, two reasons for this. Um, to prove life. You know, if there's, if there's no appetite, there's no life. <laughs> I remember the last time I woke up after surgery, I said, what does a guy have to do to get a peanut butter sandwich around here? You know, like, that's physical appetite, of course, but um, spiritually speaking, if, 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 I think the lesson is there that, you know, if people say they're Christians, you know, the, you think of the parable of the wheat and the, the, the tares, the darnel. Uh, people can say they're Christians, but there's no appetite for the word of God. No appetite for the fellowship of God's people. Check your pulse. There's got to be an appetite. Second, even a little. Second thing is uh, given food to strengthen and to support life. Now, this is on the other end of the scale. New Christians need the pure milk of the word to be strengthened and built up, First Peter 2 and 2. This is, these are important things. And so then now into the passage that we read, we see that he restores sight to the blind, speech to the mute. Uh, it says, so we picked up where it says when he departed from there, from the ruler's house, we now see, and raised the daughter. We're told two blind men followed him crying out, son of David, have mercy on us. You know, these men couldn't see what Jesus was doing, but they heard what he was doing and all the miracles that he was performing. And this, this, this gave them hope. This, this stirred up such a hope in their hearts uh, that, that they, they, they got assertive in their pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and these two blind men are like the lost, like those without Christ. Now, there's only, you've probably heard it many times, there's only two kinds of people in the world. There are, there are saved and there are lost. It's not a derogatory term. These are just terms of definition. The saved were lost, but they're now not lost. So they're just terms of, don't, don't be offended with the terms. They're just definition, defining terms. And so the lost are blind. They can't see or understand what God's doing. I remember my brother talking to me, and I thought, man, his wife has done something to him. He's such a weirdo. He used to be real, you know. Uh, I didn't even know what he was talking about. Uh, I, I thought he was, you know, maybe the aliens took him up and worked on him for a while and dropped him back off a different guy, you know. I expected to see some kind of creature come out of him eventually. But, of course, he had a sight that I didn't And uh, at that particular time. 
So the lost can hear. They, they hear what God's doing in the lives of those who have come to faith in him, who are now uh, saved, redeemed. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is the only hope for the lost. It's imperative that we proclaim the word of God to them and be a part of that whole process. Saying to Brian, I, I mean, there's, I know a couple of you have a wonderful door-to-door ministry going on. Most people can't do that sort of thing. But I can be behind it somewhere. I used to go into the jails uh, once a week, and uh, I had an old guy. He's, he's gone home to be with the Lord now every once in a while. And I had a good job, so I wasn't looking for this, but he wanted to meet me at the gas station and fill my van because I was the guy that always drove the group every week, and I didn't mind. I said, don't worry about it. I'll just get Sue to get an extra shift. No big deal, you know. <laughs> and he said, no, this is a part of you allowing me to be a part of the ministry. So there's a lot of ways of being a part of, of the ministry. Don't think you have to be that guy at the door. Perhaps God hasn't given you that particular gifting, but be a part. So I just want to notice a couple of things about these blind guys. Um, you know, they, they didn't have their physical vision, but I think they had some spiritual discernment, if you think about this for a moment. Uh, by addressing Jesus as the son of David, they recognized him as the long-awaited Messiah, the rightful king of Israel, <laughs> son of David. They didn't care who heard them proclaiming Jesus as the son of David. This was, this was a huge thing, you know, and they knew that when Messiah came, according to Isaiah 61, some, some interesting things were going to happen. Isaiah 61, as you may remember, uh, verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to, to heal up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to those who are bound, spiritually bound as well as physical. But I dare to say, I think we're talking more spiritually bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to to, to comfort all who mourn. You remember Matthew uh, chapter 5? Yeah, in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus says there, uh, blessed are, are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What are they mourning over? So a lot of things to mourn over, isn't there, in this life? But I think, I think specifically what he's speaking of there is blessed are they who mourn over the sin in the world around them and in their own lives. If we, if we could just get a little bit better grasp on what sin is, what it does to us, what it does to those around us, what it does to, 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 to everything attached to our lives. Oh, Lord, take this sin out of my life. We would mourn. We would plead. Blessed are those. And that word blessed, it's a double pause of happy. Oh, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And these men did what must yet be done today. They simply believed the report about the Messiah. You know, they could only hear the report. They couldn't see. As one day when I thought my brother was nuts, I couldn't see it, but I heard. So it's only after believing the message of the gospel and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior that we can see, spiritually speaking. And we see with these guys, I want to be careful to point out that each one of these guys would have cried out for mercy. It says they both cried out, accepting and confessing Jesus Christ as Messiah. Salvation is a personal thing. It's a one-on-one thing with God. You don't go through anybody else. 
You don't go to any man or, or any woman or any statue. It's a one-on-one -on -one between you and the God of heaven. Jesus says in John chapter 3, uh, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. One, unless an individual is born again. Uh, Jesus says in, uh, well, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever uh, believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So the, the, the whosoever speaks of individually, singular, but it's all inclusive. <laughs> oh, it's personal. You know, and, and it's not like that, uh, like the sales, you know, the first hundred in the door, uh, they're, they're trying to get people wound up to, to run in and buy a vehicle. Like, who in the right mind is going to cash out their savings and go and buy a vehicle? There's going to be a crowd at the door, and if you're 101, you don't get the deal. The gospel isn't like that. Whosoever. For all of time. Whosoever. Every individual. And of course, no one gets turned away. Jesus says in John 6 and 37, the second part of that verse, the one the individual who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Oh, you might be thinking, oh, like my dad said to me one time, I don't believe God can forgive me for what I did to my wife and kids. He will. He can. You need but to repent. Change your mind. Agree with God on your condition and receive his forgiveness. Well, we see Jesus test their faith in verse 28. The Lord Jesus says, do you believe that I'm able to do this thing? And without hesitation, they said, yes, Lord. Also in some of your versions, depending on what version you have, it translates master, Lord or master. Yes, Lord. Yes, master. See the confession. And as soon as they proclaim their belief that Jesus could heal them, he touches their eyes and he says, according to your faith, let it be to you. So we see that it, it, it didn't take works. It didn't take shelling out money I'm not saying don't give to God. That's between you and God. That's not between any other person. Now, I'm accountable to my wife. I realize that. Like, and we're accountable to each other. And, uh, but, but it's to God that we, we make our accounts to. So it's not by works. It's by faith. Ephesians chapter 2 says we're saved by grace. It's a gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should boast, there'd be no boasting going on in heaven. Boy, there's lots going on here on earth, but there'd be none, none going on in heaven. So faith is what pleases God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And immediately their eyes became normal. You know, people still, yeah, people say, or mankind maybe today says, seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. I've used that saying myself. Well, seeing is believing. God says, believing is seeing. It's kind of a, kind of a different twist. He says uh, in, in John 11 and 40, the Lord Jesus said to Martha there, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see? And he says, well, the writer to the Hebrews says, uh, by faith we understand, we see, we perceive. And 1 John 5 and 13 the Apostle John wrote, I have written these things to you who believe that you may know. We shouldn't need to see a miracle to believe God. We should believe him simply because he is. And just because we pray for something and don't get it, 
doesn't mean he doesn't love us. I've, I've often prayed and said to Sue, I feel like my prayers aren't being heard because this is not what I wanted. Oh, then it hits me. The sound of my own words bang back in me and say, this is not what I wanted. I did pray, Lord, your will be done. We read in 1 John, if we pray according to his will, we get what we ask for. So if I'm praying according to God's will, I'll get it. If God wants me to have it, I'll have it. If he wants me to be in a ministry or healthy or whatever it is you're dealing with, pray for God's will and then accept it. He sternly warned them, don't, don't be spreading this around. Don't tell everybody why. That's such a weird thing, isn't it? Well, I think, <clears throat> I think that there's a couple other places I, I, I think that this happened. And I think probably it's because he was aware that, that, uh, that the Jewish nation was, was uh, they, they were so tired of the Roman yoke, they were, they, if, if they seen this power, they, they'd want him to, to be the ruling king. Somebody with this power, they could, he, he could put down their enemies, you know, physically put them down. He, they could conquer Rome. And of course, the Lord Jesus knew that Israel was still unrepentant. They, they weren't ready for his spiritual leadership. He had to go to the cross. And I'm thankful for this truth that anything that blocked his path to Calvary, it was in disagreement with the, the, the plan of God for our salvation. I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus Christ followed through. But when he departed, they spread, when they departed, they spread the news about him all around, you know, in their delirious gratitude for their eyesight, the, the two men spread the news of the miraculous cure. Uh, we're not told if there was any trouble or not, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it must have stirred some, some, uh, some casual interest and, and some of that kind of talk. Oh, if we could only get this guy to lead us against Rome, you know, maybe, maybe he, could, uh, he could help us fix them. But simply put, I think that what I would draw from this is simply put that not even gratitude is a valid excuse for disobedience. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Gone from preaching to meddling. You know, both gratitude and disappointment are two of the main things that believers will use to excuse their disobedience to, to the Lord and justify their own behavior. Well, I had to because I was so happy. Oh, I was so discouraged. God isn't fooled as men are. We just leave it there. Jesus gave life to the dead, sight to the blind. Now he restores speech to the speechless. In verses 32 to 34, they they, they brought a, a man who was mute and demon-possessed, and the evil spirit had stricken this man with dumbness, we're told. And someone was kind enough to bring this guy. And you know something, when you, you think about it, uh, I mean, I don't, certainly don't know the, the people here very well, just a few of you, but to me, there, there's a lack of kind people in, uh, in the world today. These people were so kind, they cared for this guy so much, they brought him to the Lord Jesus. They gave up their Saturday morning. Maybe they worked six days a week. They gave up their Sunday afternoon, whatever it was. I don't know. But it cost them. Every time you care for someone, it'll cost you. But if, if you're doing it with the right heart, it doesn't matter, does it? Thank God for those people who care for others enough to bring them. Well, when the demon-possessed man spoke, the, the crowds marveled. They said, it's never been seen like this in Israel before. I like to think that his, when he got his speech back, the first thing he would have said is, praise God. You know, and thank God. Thank the Lord Jesus for, uh, for what he had done for him. We'll, we'll just say that, giving him the benefit of the doubt. I can't imagine it being any other way, really. 
And so the crowds of people acknowledge that they've never seen anything like this. And, and what are the Pharisees, the religious leaders? These are the guys to lead them, are supposed to lead them to God. They said, this man, Jesus, casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. This is what the Lord Jesus later in chapter 12 labeled as the unpardonable sin, attributing miracles performed by the Holy Spirit to the power of Satan, unforgivable. So while others were being blessed and healed by the touch of Christ, the Pharisees remained spiritually dead, blind, dumb. There's a ton of Pharisees alive yet today. You know, uh, in, in verses 35 to 38, the need for harvest workers. Uh, as he, as he, we see that he didn't, just a quick little point there, is that the Lord Jesus didn't stay in, and, and argue with the Pharisees. He could have put them down. He's God. He, he has all the words that there ever were. <laughs> he, he could, have, he could have shut them down hard. But what does he do? We read that he, he moves on, travels through the cities and villages everywhere. And maybe that's a lesson for us, not to run, not to be cowardice. But by the same token, why would we waste our time? It's kind of like Nehemiah on the wall, you know, when Tobiah and Sanballat and Gashem called him down, down to, the, to the valley. Come on, we want to do you a favor. We want to have a meeting with you. Gashem the Arab and Tobiah and Sanballat were, were sons uh, of Lot from the cave. They, they were illegitimate uh, representatives, you might say, of Abraham or of, of, of the nation. Uh, and what does, what does Nehemiah say? No, I'm doing a great work. It's not, the emphasis wasn't on him, it was on the work. Whatever God has you doing, even if nobody knows you're doing it, maybe just the elders have given you something to do and you're quietly doing it behind the scenes. You're doing a great work. Why would you come off the wall? Why would you leave that great work? The Lord Jesus gives us all these wonderful examples, Old Testament and New Testament, here in his own practice. Oh, he could have slammed them how many times, but he goes on ministering to the people. But when he saw the multitudes, verse 36, the verse that, that gripped me a few weeks ago, uh, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary, they were scattered, they were, they were like sheep having... Uh, no shepherd. This word weary, it uh, <clears throat> means weakened by overtiredness. I think we can all deal with that to an extent, especially anybody who's a parent. Uh, I would, in my generation, more the moms because I was a help, but like the kids would cry in the middle of the night. Well, the one, our youngest, Katie, crying one night, calling, Daddy, Daddy. And I woke you up and I said, do you hear that? She's calling for Daddy. And I rolled over and went back to sleep. And so... But she would have been awake anyways, on my defense. She would have been awake because she wouldn't trust me. She'd come out and check me, make the temperature, the right bo the bottle, the right temperature. Did you burp her right or whatever? You know, did you give her a fresh diaper like I'd use an old one? And uh, <laughs> so she was better to be up herself. So weakened by overtiredness, faint-hearted, grown weary, lost heart, bewildered. What a picture. We get out of this word and it's in the participle mood meaning it can be used as a verb or a noun or an adjective you know what it speaks of physical and emotional and spiritual they were bankrupt they were just ready to collapse entirely you know this is word is used of a person who's struggled and struggled against sin they've undergone trial after trial stood against the onslaught of hurt after hurt until they can't stand anymore, they're ready just to, just to give up. And the Lord Jesus looks out over the multitudes 
of these distraught and worried and helpless people. He saw them as sheep with no shepherd, wandering, not knowing what to do. What will we do? Isn't that the cry of the people in the last days? Oh, what are we going to do? Who's going to fix this mess? And the man of sin steps forward and says, I got a solution. Oh, I hope you know the Lord Jesus today. We don't have too many days left, I don't think. His heart goes out to them in great compassion. He looked over the crowd, but he saw the individual. And maybe I'm the only one in the room. This just, just screams out to me because uh, where I was raised, we were, all, we were always told God loved the whole world, but we never seen any evidence of that love in our lives. Uh, but when I heard the gospel and heard God loved me as an individual, I, I almost called the guy a liar. How could God love me? I know some of you have felt that. I'm sure you have. You know, we get the sense as he looks out over this crowd, we get the sense of a heart so full of sympathy for the people, similar to what we see in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37, when Jesus laments over Jerusalem. He's, he's looking down on Jerusalem and, and, you know, he says these words, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He's done, it's, it's like he's saying, I've done everything that I possibly can. Heaven has no more to give. God manifest in the flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, taking on the form of a servant. How much more could he do? Well, you know, we need to pray that we might know more of this yearning for the spiritual welfare of the lost and the dying, as the Lord Jesus had when he looked out over this crowd. You know, the crowds fainted. Yeah, they were deceived by their religious leaders. I mean, we just finished reading these ones that were supposed to lead them to God were, were, were telling them that this was not God. They were trying to protect the connection to the, the people's wallets. They were liars and greedy pigs. You know, they wanted the money. These are the religious leaders. These, and people, some people can be fooled for a long time. Oh, but eventually we see. Eventually the people see there's, there's nothing but skullduggery going on. They've been deceived by their teachers, their priests, you know, at one time they may have had confidence in them, but they've been deceived and, 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 and following bad leadership. This is something you take for granted. I, I just happen to know the leadership here. I know you've got great leadership, good men, and, and their wives, good women. This isn't the case everywhere. This certainly isn't the case in the world as we know it. So we're going through some of this just like these people did, but they, they had it all. Their government, their church leaders, their, their, their civil leaders, garbage. They were frustrated, nowhere to turn. They were on the verge of maybe stirring up civil war. They were empty, bewildered. This word scattered, oh, it means to be cast down, to be laid low, disappointed, hopeless, without purpose or meaning. Oh boy, this is a bad place to be. No purpose and no meaning. Hmm. You know, those without Christ still wander today. They, they, they seek for purpose. They seek for a place to belong. They, they, you know, some turn to 
polyistic thinking there they, they, they have there's all these gods I talked to a man years ago who was trying all these different gods and um, I told him to take the cat I said maybe because I didn't like our cat I thought maybe he could worship the cat for a little while until he wanted to kill it and uh, so you know we we had those talks people people just just and then there's people who 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 decide you know what it's all about pleasure above everything else Epicureanism. <laughs> wow. Uh, feed the appetite. Nike, just do it. <laughs> I like the shoes, but I don't like the slogans. Just do it. How about just pray about it? How about just submit to God? Um, you know, many, many say, you know what? I'm frustrated. I got, I got many people in, in, in our family, uh, not immediate family, but siblings that uh, have said, you know what? going to be an atheist we're going to secular humanism there's no god no religious intervention at all it's just the best of people and i i say well that really bites if the best you're going to get is from people wow here's a rope you know like i i just there's no hope and then of course there are some who turn to strict legalism and and make rules for everybody else to live by that they can't live by themselves but it it gives you a religious feeling for a while you know, there's many today who, 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 who seem to be frustrated like this and all this, there's what they call this, uh, this group fighting for freedom. And I've, I've talked with some of them and I, I, I feel our freedom's been won at Calvary. There's only freedom in Christ. You know, around the end of June, I think it was, there was two brothers who robbed a bank in Saanich, BC uh, that were linked with this so-called freedom fighters movement. Uh, I think they're smoking on the gange too much, you know, smoking a little too much, and uh, you get this twisted idea of what freedom is. You know, we, we had people tell us that we'd given our church over to the over to the government because we wouldn't throw the mass aside and, and fight them. And I said, we once, and I know here the same thing, we, we were never told you can't preach the word of God. We sing, we, well, sometimes singing with a mask, I almost swallowed it a couple of times. You got to make sure those elastics are strong. But, you know, on the inhale, like, we have such freedom to preach the word of God, to share our faith. Nobody's ever told us not to at this point. Well, I thought these two young lads, nice looking boys, and I thought, not too bright, really. They, they got into a gunfight that they couldn't win. They didn't plan that very good. I've never robbed a bank, but I think I'd do a better job than that. And it came out that the plan was for them to die in the shootout. To make a statement for the cause. You know what the statement to me was? Stupid. Sucked in. Gullible. Waste of two lives. That was so upsetting. Two young men that could have had productive lives. They, 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 they could have met young ladies, raised a family, honored God, could have, been, could have helped out somewhere. Instead, they threw their lives away for a statement. Ever hear anything about them after? No. Their mother probably cries for them. You know, it's, it's the same today over 2000 years later you know for us uh, these people we're reading of in the new testament days it's 
Nothing fills that inner need. Nothing really satisfies that spiritual void. You know, the human soul still aches for the truth and the touch of God. And the devil fools people into seeking that somewhere else. When God says, come. The Lord Jesus says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly, a better life. Those two boys in Saanich, BC, wouldn't you love to have sat down with them a day before they were doing this, this foolish thing that they did? Or perhaps that was even too late. Whoever talked them into that should be held accountable. Well, so we close our little section with a, a lesson uh, verse 30, 37 and 38, Jesus says to, to the disciples, the harvest is, is plentiful and the labors are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest, send out labors into the harvest. So there was a great spiritual work. The, the labors were few. You know, the problem continues today, doesn't it? The work is always greater than the workforce. I'm kind of glad. I, I was I was with I worked in years ago in where there was a union uh, shop, and um, there was always this pull about oh somebody else is doing our work you know like and the mentality was always we want enough work to <laughs> get to pension. <laughs> now you get to pension, you fall apart. But you know, um, in the work of the gospel, there's always work. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. You don't, you don't have to call the union steward when some, somebody from some other church is doing your work. Uh, you know, just, just put your head down and work. Interesting, though, that um, Jesus says this, this need is there, but you know what? Just because there's a need, it doesn't mean you should go. <gasps> Heretic. <laughs> Think about it. Romans 10 and 14 says, how then shall they call on, on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How, and verse 15, the first part says, how shall they preach unless they are sent? You know, we don't go unless the Lord sends us. He's the one that's gifted you. He's given you a gift even though you feel inadequate. Even though you feel like, who am I? You know, this should be so-and-so. It should be somebody else with the right voice, with the right words, somebody taller, somebody slimmer. You know, um, we need to serve God when he wants, where he wants, and how he wants. You remember, uh, we read Matthew, that Jesus, that, that word saw, he saw Matthew, he completely, he completely saw him. He, he, he saw him 100% through and through. He saw, uh, you know, no matter where you've been, no matter where you are today, no matter, no matter where you're going, God sees you. And you know, the entirety of it is he, he knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. He knows what you've said. Same here. He knows what you're going to say in the future. I often wonder, 48 years ago, if Sue knew what I was like, would she have said yes? <laughs> I don't know. It would have been tough. I might have had to work at it, you know, uh, because I've heard a lot of girls say that, uh, you know what, if I knew he was such... Uh, a guy I, I might just have kept looking <laughs> so, but here's, here's a wonderful truth God knows you he knows you inside out he, he, he knows your attitudes he, he knows you know he hears when we gossip he, he hears when we uh, 
uh, when we're manipulating, when we're, we're, we're being lazy, he knows our arrogance. He, he, he knows our failings. He knows all about us. Yet he loves you. Isn't that far above the human standard? God is concerned. He knows the pain that haunts you from the past. He knows the lack of leadership in the world today. We don't have to start a movement to fix it up. He's going to fix it. He knows you've been let down again and again. He knows you're tired. Your heart is broken. You're weary, perhaps maybe ready to give up. God sees you and he loves you. If you know the Lord Jesus, if you're a child of God and you've wandered off, I would simply ask, will you return to the shepherd of your soul? He waits. He won't force you. He waits to hold you close, to gather you to his side, to bless you, to comfort you, to help you. And if you've not yet received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you, would you come to him? Would you repent, change your mind, exercise your right to change your mind? Agree with God about your condition. Exercise faith in Jesus Christ and know eternal life. God sees you and he loves you. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, our Father, we thank you for these, these thoughts concerning the Lord Jesus. And Father, we just pray that if, if there's anything uh, irritating, that we would forget it. We just pray that our hearts would be stirred to faithfulness. Pray that we would, we would just a little bit better see your tremendous love for us, your commitment to us. Oh, Father, give us hearts after your will. Give us desires and hearts that we would have a desire for your will, for your way, that we would want to share the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, our Father, help us to help us to have that balance in life that, that, that we must, we must have service for our King, that we would teach our kids to serve him. And when, when they grow up, if they wander off, that you would convict them so as to bring them back. Father, many of us have kids in this condition. We pray that they would not enjoy their sin, not even for a season, that they would be miserable in the sin that they wallow, that they might return to the shepherd and the master of their souls. And Father, we just pray for anyone who has not yet received Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, help them to understand. Help them to understand how deeply you love them. Help them to understand how, how much you want to love them and help them and care for them. But you will not force your way in our lives. Father, we don't understand that either because we force our way, our opinion with each other. But we thank you for this, this kindness, this grace, the mercy. Have your way in our lives, we pray. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.